You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Allison Marshall. And I'm John Langlois. And you are listening to the special monthly Chi University episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 29th. Good morning, Horse World. Welcome to our once a month look at traditional Chinese veterinary medicine with the Chi University. So I have a new co-host, Dr. John Langlois, who is a veterinarian in the Ocala, Florida area. He was with us uh, last month for our Chi University segment, and uh, he did such a great job that our producer recommended that he and I co-host together, which I think is fabulous because I adore John. He and I practice very similarly. We just seem to be on the same wavelength, and I always enjoy hunting cases around and talking to him. So I'm just thrilled that he consented to um, help me with this monthly. And uh, I think that'll make for a much more interesting podcast. So today we have for you a wonderful veterinarian named Dr. Carol Holland. Uh, she is also a teacher at the Chi University with uh, John and I, and she will be talking to us from Germany about an interesting case that she saw in the last few weeks. And then after that, uh, Dr. John and I will be talking about, he's got a little case to bring forward, and we're going to be talking a little bit about how Chinese medicine diagnostics using just very simple tongue and pulse diagnosis and scanning can really give us way, so much information. And it's easy for me to say way more information than x-rays, ultrasounds, bone scans, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's just a tangential information. So I'm real excited to share that with all of you listeners. Uh, and John and I will take it away after Carol finishes her um, case report. So our guest today is Dr. Carol Holland, who is the veterinarian at Natural Vet Palm Beach in Wellington, Florida. Carol has a long history of sport horse practice um, with traditional Chinese veterinary medicine and we're so happy to have her today because she has so much expertise at the higher levels of showing. She understands the utilization of um, the herbs and, and what's kind of show safe and what isn't. Um, and that's pretty fascinating stuff in this in these days of FEI competitions being more and more um, regulated and more and more drug testing, which, you know, certainly we all support safe sport and um, making sure that our horses are, are safe and healthy during all of that. But Carol brings a lot of expertise to the table and she's going to bring us a case report today or a specific case that she thinks is super interesting. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that nice introduction. And um, I appreciate that. It's fun to always talk to you guys. I had um, a really fun case that came to my mind. There were several, but when you called me, I decided to discuss this one because a lot of times, as you all know, um, Dr. Marshall, we get these phone calls for, I've been to everybody and nothing works. And, and like, sure. can you really help me? Because it's so strange. <laughs> so Yes, for sure. Recently, We're last um, hope veterinary practices, aren't we? Last, <laughs> yeah, Hail Marys is what I call it. <laughs> yeah, but, perfect. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so um, 
the this client who I was introduced to through one of my own had purchased a very, very beautiful, lovely um, uh, Grand Prix dressage mare. Beautiful. They sent me videos of her, you know, when they bought, like, over they bought her. But it seemed like randomly throughout a year, she would go to a show or have some incident where her legs would swell up and she would get a fever and she would almost have laminitic symptoms, but there was never any laminitis. Wow. And um, her, she would have a temperature and the legs would swell up and they would give her anti-inflammatories and it would go away. And they test, tested her for um, everything, uh, tick-wise, you know, every tick disease. They tested mm-hmm. her for salmonella, every GI disease. They tested her for everything. But it, it happened randomly, so, but so often that she was scratched from shows. And it would happen at a show where and the client kept telling me that it was not because she went to a show. Um, and they they uh, did all the testing of uh, stomach uh, scoping and see, looking for ulcers and all that. So I just, you know, follow the history of what does she eat? What does she do? She did get a lot of turnout at home. Um, she does eat a lot of hay um, and she did get a, a low amount of grain. And the, the veterinarians were good at taking care of that, but they were not ever finding the cause of it. So um, I, I met her uh, the first time at a horse show. Because I was, that's where she was when I met her. And she was, she had just had an episode the week before. And at this horse, she couldn't compete. But at this horse show, the drugs had worn off and she was doing good. And she competed one time. Mm-hmm. So when I went to do the exam, it was a stall at the horse show, which is not always the best way to go. But it, we were just at the same location at the same time. And um, I, you know, my, my thoughts were leaning towards, you know, probably that they had missed some diagnosed a tick disease. Or something, mm-hmm. you know, like it, sure. it has sure, to be sure. some sort of a, um, a parasite or something that's causing the fever, you know, and not any other gastrointestinal symptoms or respiratory symptoms. So as a rule out, I just did, I just went straight to um, Chinese medicine and did the tongue, the pulse, checked all the acupuncture points, made an assessment of this horse and decided based on her acupuncture points that she really was having some gastrointestinal problems. And it was mostly hindgut. And um, where she's located in the world, in Germany, they don't use um, several, they don't use the Chinese herbs, but they don't use a lot of the drugs that we use in America, too, for hindgut issues. I'm not sure that the veterinarians were even thinking that because of the clear way that they had tested for everything. And by sure. the way, none of her blood values were ever abnormal. She never had an elevated white count. She never had a um, low white count. She never had anything. And you, and you did say that she really seemed to only be clinically sick at horse shows, correct? Did you did I hear you say that? No, um, they she, she did, did have, have these issues at home. Occasion. She did, okay. and it was random. The lady said random. It wasn't just at a horse show or anything. Okay. So um, so anyway, that made it a little challenging. So the first thing I did was to do the scan, do the tongue and the pulse. Sounds very strange, but if you start looking at all your clients' tongues and looking at your friends' tongues, you'll start to see there are differences. For sure. But, um, you know, so so we use that as a diagnostic protocol, and um, and I did her pulse and all, and it, it just lent me to the fact that she had some liver stagnation and also some um, hindgut inflammation. And that's a super common problem that I find in, in sport horses, too, when um, either they're having behavioral issues or they're having, you know, some back pain. But I don't really recall it ever being a lot of leg swelling with a fever. So this was, and, and it was my first time of thinking, let's see, why, why would that be? So at this particular time, she didn't have the leg swelling. So to jump ahead, 
I went ahead and decided to treat what I found. Uh, I found very uh, reactive, uh, what we call alarm points for the hindgut, very reactive stomach points. And mind you, she was at a show, mm-hmm. but she had no diarrhea, no no stress. And so I sent her home on that medication. The herbal for um, for that mare I wanted her to be on was one called um, Coptis or Great Sulsoria Coptis. Mm-hmm. And I had to order that for the United States. So <laughs> in this particular case, I went ahead and put her on medication to start because I wanted a rapid response. Um, I chose the medication based for hind gut and for um, stomach. So mm-hmm. we sent her home on that. I went to check her um, a week later where she was in Germany and all of the acupuncture points were cleared up. She had not had a, uh, another relapse, but even though it was random, you know, her legs weren't swelling. And then she stayed on, um, I put her on the, the great Sulsoria coptis for the uh, heat in the foregut and hindgut. And I also put her on uh, liver happy, which is another herbal that's the Shaoyawan which um, sort of soothes the liver chi, and, um, mm-hmm. and it just was a basic, plain herbal to start. And I told them this might be three months, it might be six months, maybe one month, we don't know, but we're in a starter mm-hmm. on that. And three weeks after, she went to uh, four-star CDI one. So, oh, wow. Um, and she did with not, no, and she, with yeah, no she did not, with, with no clinical signs. So, um, so I know that, um, and I did visit her, yeah, I did visit her at her um, her farm and found a different horse, on, believe it or not, at the farm than the show, which was really str- very strange that she was more, um, she was very stressed out just emotionally at the farm, but she was not, didn't have any um, acupoints that were sensitive. Mm-hmm. It was more of a musculoskeletal stress at the farm. And I also found out that the uh, the trainer or the owner didn't ride her at the farm she only rode her at the shows for the past oh, four interesting. weeks. So I think that, yeah, so there was a lot of different changes going on in this horse. But in the end, to recap, it sounds like a miracle case, but just to recap, um, I believe that the swollen legs were coming from some micro uh, toxins released from the hind gut and, and small amounts from the heat in the hind gut. And Almost that's like more not gut. Chinese medicine. Yeah, leaky gut syndrome in people, and um, there are some reports and some studies um, of uh, the herbal that was the pre- uh, uh, antecedent to great sulfuricoptis that was used in dogs for stress in um, in shelters that would get leaky gut, mm-hmm. and they cured mm-hmm. it with that um, disease with that herbal. So this particular herbal, I think, is super good for. Um, it was reported to me for short-term use, but I've used it for long-term use. She's been on it now six weeks. Yeah, and that particular herbal is one that most people don't reach for off the shelf. Um, and because I live in South Florida, um, I have used it a lot and, and experimented, quote unquote. But I've used it appropriately, um, testing it for non-sweaters, testing it for hind gut leaky stress, you know, syndrome. Because I had read that report. I think one of our own friends did her master's um, study on that and mm-hmm. gave her paper on that at, at, um, at Chi. So it, it sparked my interest in these horses that um, people will call you, they have a fever, they have hind leg swelling, and yeah. everybody thinks, oh, it's some kind of virus. But I think because the spleen channel runs down the inside of the leg and the liver channel that it, it causes For some sure. um, inflammation. That's a, that's a guess. It's not been proven. <laughs> it's Issues, a great case, uh, shipping huh? herbs to Germany? Is there any issue with that? Actually, I tried to, I tried to ship herbs to a friend of mine in, in Ireland a while back when she was there, and I 
um, it was it was a little convoluted. Yeah, it's a disaster to do that with the um, customs. But there is yeah. Eurochi, which um, they they stock the herbs here in Europe and in, in um, oh, Ireland, fabulous. and um, it takes it takes longer. Yeah, I had those herbs, but um, but I, I when I um, came back, I actually brought them in my suitcase. Oh, good. So um, you'd been there so, back. So it, you didn't have them shipped. You had to bring yeah. them along. Very good. No, I brought them back. But but the other thing, too, also uh, regard, regarding the FEI, we did take her off seven days ahead. Um, I have tested it with um, some drug testing, the great sulcericoptis. But, I, you know, we always want to be careful with the CDIs. It did not show up positive on a pre-purchase drug screen. But mm-hmm. I do know that FEI uses different different drug testing than we do for pre-purchase. Um, it seems and, as though um, their drug testing is actually even more sensitive than the racehorses and the USEF and everything to me. I have lots of racehorses on lots possible, of herbs, yeah. and, um, and I don't ever have an issue with those. I have lots of winning horses on herbs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I know. It's know, great. And, um, to get their blood tested. So. And um, I, I have a lot, too, in the FEI competitions, but... But just to be safe with this client, because she was it was the first time I'd ever met her, and um, and it was very a little bit sketchy to say go without the herb. But uh, we had her on um, the medication too um, for that particular show, the the one in three weeks. And I, I like to do the combination for quick results for that. But um, but my main point for clients listening or for um, the average person listening is it might be some uh, thing to pay attention to that when you change your hay or you change your food or a horse has some sort of a stress incident and the hind legs swell up, even without a fever that you need to look at the, um, you need to look at the GI system and say, Hey, it's not a, it's not a weird virus that my horse got. It's, it's something coming from the hind gut. It's not guaranteed, but I think that's um, more a direction that I've been heading in for a while. And it was pretty exciting to make it work. So. Um, do you feel and, um, as though by any chance that I just I feel as though I I see more and more strange syndromes. This is a real kind of a tangent, I guess, but that you might be able to call back to guts not working well, intestines not working well, sort of new, strange nutritional things. I feel like I see. Do you, do you think you see any more of that than you did 20 years ago? Any sort of gut stuff? I'm I'm just curious about the environment we have horses in, the feed we're giving them, the hay they're getting, all that sort of thing? Oh, 100%. And is it that I'm recognizing it more now that I really understand the Chinese medicine? Or is it that um, Uh, that that. we are having the change? And so the both things too, because um, I think there's chronic inflammation in the hind gut a lot, a a, a ton of chronic because of overuse of gastrogard and changing the pH of the foregut. Yep. And, um, you know, when you change that, then the food doesn't get cooked in that, you know, in that hot yep. environment and it goes yep. back. And, the, you know, if you study with each segment of the GI system and you have to figure out where they're going to um, digest each food and that mm-hmm. chronic inflammation makes them not absorb their food correctly. Mm-hmm. And so then Do they you- can't absorb the nutrients and then blah, 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 you know, go on. 
Absolutely. No, absolutely. Do you, do you feel as though like I tend to, I have a, a probiotic that I like a lot. I, I tend to do some sort of, I don't know, GI counseling on, a, you know, I kind of tend to do that on a lot of my um, cases and I, I'm not, I'm not at the level that you are performance wise, but a great deal of my practice is performance. And so I'm including that even though I'm there for performance. Do you find yourself doing that or is there any particular trick that you use that lots of horses can benefit from to strengthen their GI tract before it would get to the level of this? No, so it's always tricky because um, it, it does, uh, I think a lot of what you have to choose is on your client base and where your clients are coming from and what they actually are already doing. And when you're at, right. a, you know, one level of client that, that they're already giving everything you can possibly give, sometimes you have to take things away. And say you're overloading the GI, and then when Absolutely. you're with um, other clients, you you have to um, say let's add in. So I think reviewing and making a list is the most important thing, and it depends because <laughs> you know I have ones that feed everything, and then you're like, oh my god, don't you're doubling up, and that's causing some inflammation. And some that won't feed anything but hay, oats, and water. And, you know, no one's mm-hmm. allergic to oats, you know. So um, one of the things I do like to do is um, have a mixture of uh, slippery elm. And uh, that's a, a Western herb, slippery elm, and some marshmallow yeah. root powder. Those two things mixed together fed uh, a lot of times will help the inflammation. And that's great herbals that if you can find it, slippery elms become not so sustainable. So it's uh. better to use it with um, marshmallow root. I see. And um and that 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 fed and herbal combination, just plain um powder is is a great thing to help any horse w- at whatever level. Mm-hmm. And um then you're not having to give drugs. And I do mix my probiotics in with that if they're not currently already on one. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've read recently stuff about humans that they recommend that we rotate probiotics every four to six months. Have you heard anything like that? I've kind of passed that information along to my clients because I, I, it makes some sense to me to rotate probiotics since there's gobzillions of normal microflora that we could potentially hit if we rotate, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I read a lot about that too, and I think it's an interesting topic, and um, and you know it's certainly worth looking into. Um, again, I think when you're having to when you make suggestions on that, if if you're having a problem, like you said, and you want to road, you you can't figure it out, then definitely rotate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, find a because then that bacteria that they have are not working. <laughs> you know, right, maybe, right, exactly. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, well, and even so, even um, sometimes you know. if I, I don't know if there's any, I, I just am kind of help trying to help people rotate period, you know, I mean, get ahead of things. It's all about yeah. getting ahead of things and Chinese medicine is so it is good getting at ahead. Yeah. preventive, you know, preventative treatment that I, I have a lot of fun with that because I'm really looking for the nuances of their health overall, you know, so it's just fun. So That's fantastic. I know it's like an investigative um, challenge. Chinese medicine just looks at the entire body in a way, in a more powerful way sometimes than Western medicine can. And it's, I think it's just so thrilling to have and then to hear about all the different tools and how we can utilize this ancient medicine to get to the bottom of things that thousands and thousands of dollars of diagnostics can't. And it's all by tongue and pulse and acupuncture scan. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today about it. Yeah, that's that's fantastic too, and and thanks for pointing out the clarity of it 
they thought it was a lameness, but it turned out to be a GI. Well, we'll we'll be back in touch, Carol. We love having you on. So if you have any um, other cool cases that you want to talk about, you know, we'll set you up for another time that you can come talk to us. Lots of people out there would love to hear, um, you know, about these high level horses and and how Chinese medicine can can really help some things that Western medicine can't. So do you when you have another case, you just text me and we'll we'll get you back on to talk. So the herb that Dr. Holland mentioned in her case is something called Great Sauceria Coptis, and the middle word is spelled S-A-U-S-S-U-R-E-A, and the last word is Coptis, C-O-P-T-I-S. And the Coptis is actually one of the ingredients in the herb. This formula dates back to formulas written in the year 1080, which I just find fascinating. And it was originally designed for inflammatory bowel disease. So certainly way back then, most of these ancient formulas were really designed for humans. And the neat thing about um, Dr. Shea and the Jing Tong herbals is that he has, so I, I think I mentioned this in our first episode, but Dr. Shea is third generation traditional Chinese medicine. So he probably knew more about herbology in his pinky finger at six years old than I will ever know about herbology. And so he has redesigned some of these to be, some of them, to be a little more animal friendly. And some of them he's just brought forward and produced them in a larger um, container such that we would have enough to dose horses with. So um, this particular formula that Dr. Holland was talking about is for inflammatory bowel disease. And I don't know if you all heard on her review of her case, but using her acupuncture scan, she was kind of, and Dr. Holland, Dr. Lengua and I are going to talk about this a little bit, but Using the scan, she figured out that the horse had GI problems rather than musculoskeletal problems, which is pretty fascinating when you think about, um, you know, Chinese medicine, 5,000 years old, we have nothing more than our hands and probably a small instrument to examine points to give us information about the inside of the body. So the great Caesarea coptis is produced, the one that she used was produced through Jing Tong, I believe. I think she said that there might be a a place over in Europe um, that she could get the formulas more easily. They, they, you can't send them overseas um, just because of the customs thing and everything. So uh, Dr. Shea's formulas, I can absolutely tell you are some of the most effective um, around. And I've had clients who have used other like similar formulas from other companies made for animals. And every time that I've heard about it, I've heard that um, they were not nearly as effective um, as Dr. Shea's formulas. So, which is Jing Tong. So Allison, you know, going on that formula a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Coptis, which is the king ingredient, you know, these formulas are based in four different groups, you know, uh, messengers, assistants, harmonizers, and the king. So the king yep. is the main one, and that's Coptis. Yep. It's the coldest herb <laughs> that we have. So when we find this inflammatory bowel disease, and also I was looking for an ingredient for a shampoo that I have for mm. horses and dogs with skin conditions, which are usually hot. So mm -hmm. this was Dr. Shea's recommendation. Put that in the ingredient because that will give you the greatest cooling. So here we're using Coptis to cool that GI tract, quiet it down, and get some of the damp, which is very common in these type situations. So Coptis is king. 
why don't you go on and, and talk a little bit more about the different, the king, the messenger, um, and the, the harmonizers and all that sort of thing, just to, the structure of a basic uh, herbal formula. Go ahead and expound on that yeah. a little. Yeah, so that's one of the things, and, you know, I had the opportunity to kind of look into human um, acupuncture and herbal, and a lot of times they're dealing with single, double herbs. In Jing Tong's preparations, there's typically uh, 8 to 12 or so herbs in the formula, and they're not just herbs to do specific things. They are there by design. Mm-hmm. Number one, to give the king, which is the, the either one or two of the principal ingredients, which is to, to treat primarily the diagnosis or the pattern that we find. So in this case, with uh, great sauceria coptis, coptis is the king ingredient. Mm-hmm. So that's going to treat our main pattern. And then we have what's called a minister, which is um, kind of it's kind of like a buddy, a helper to the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be one, two, or three herbs there that give it, give that. Then the there's assistance that treats secondary problems <laughs> that might right. be going on. Um, and also to kind of, you know, sometimes individual herbs, not necessarily going to be toxic, but in order to, to balance them out, we have the assistant, and then we also use what's called a messenger, which is a harmonizer. So this whole formula now becomes uh, almost a synergistic or a helpful approach to solving um, the pattern that we find. So they're they're wonderful by design. One of the most harm- one of the most common harmonizers in Chinese medical formulas is licorice. It's kind of neat that right. uh, so many of the ingredients here, and not always the kings, but the ministers and the messengers and all that, are um, food, if we think about it. Or, um, you know, there's asparagus in some of these formulas that, that some of the ingredients actually um, are food and that food has its own set of energetics in traditional Chinese medicine. So it's all pretty exciting to me. Yeah, so, so did you have a case you want to tell us about, John? Yes, yes, I can. I, this is um, it's a, a rather simple one, but it points out some of the things that um, are important as as horse uh, owners and uh, trainers and so forth are trying to decide. You know, how do I go about working this case up in the best way possible? And most of the cases that I see um, have had some type of a Western. Uh, diagnostic or look into or have done some regional blocks. So a lot of the information is already uh, there from the Western side. So they come to me or come to us as TCBM practitioners to say, you know, what else can you find? They didn't find anything definitive in this particular case, mm-hmm. or maybe they got some some partials. Would you look at it for us? And that's what I see a lot in my practice. So here's a case with a four-year-old import from Europe has probably been over for about four or five months and started to develop a lameness. Um, two degrees out of five, we grade these lamenesses to kind of have the same common talking to one another. So if I tell you it's a grade five, the horse can barely walk. So we use this. So this is a grade <laughs> two out of five in the left front. And so um, I looked at the horse and kind of just... Uh, uh, just sat back and 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 watched, and then I said, "Well, let's just take them outside for a sh- short walk." Before that, uh, I always do tongue and pulse because this gives us a tremendous amount of information. And I wanted to share just briefly that many years ago, I had the opportunity to have a diagnosis done by the chief physician of the, Lali, uh, the Dalai Lama, and he. 
That was amazing. And he spent 45 seconds with me. All he wanted to do was do tongue pulse and look at some urine. And he had his diagnosis done. So the tongue and pulse are a very important part of our um, our approach to understanding what the Man, we're missing out be. on the urine, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we should expand. <laughs> yes. Well, um, that's going to be a little tricky getting, I know. getting, just, just, but yeah, no, it's, relief. it's actually was very important part of the Tibetan, uh, uh, TCM. So I, I got this horse out walking and he took three steps and I said, I think I know what his problem is. And that's not to boast on me, but he didn't make very good movements with the pelvic limbs. So I went out and did a quick little neural exam and found out that he was mildly ataxic in the pelvic limb, both sides, in addition to being lame in the left hind. And for those of you who don't know that word, ataxia means not very coordinated. Yeah, and I'm sorry, my lameness was in the left front, not the okay. hind limb. But he was okay. there was horse was not walking properly, putting one foot after in the behind other him. behind. So I said that's interesting. So went ahead and then proceed after uh, the horse got back in and did um, a scan. Now the scan technique is something that uh, I spend uh, last four years. We have international workshops. We spend eight hours over two days trying to figure out how much information we can get with this scanning technique. It's just using a blunt instrument like a needle holder or a, 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 a needle guide or a pen cap, whatever it is that you, works for you. And we go through the channels. We go through looking for what we call ashi points or trigger points, points that are sensitive. So in this case, I went through them and I looked and right around the lower part of the cervical uh, around C5, C6, the horse was uh, four out of five reactive to that, very sensitive. So in that case, I come back and I do some palpation, right, to kind of see, okay, can I get any, listen, any response just by pushing over the facets or the joints in the neck. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was it was uh, reactive in that area. And I said, well, we need to, to go through and get some diagnostics. So we sent it up to the University of Florida, they found uh, significant arthritis and in C5, C6, and OCD lesions C5, C6, C6, C7. So we had our answer. Wow. That this yep. is where the source of problem is for the lameness as well as for the incoordination behind. So the, the owner said, let's go back, and we made a plan. We set up five electroacupuncture treatments. We also used an herbal formula called cervical formula, which is amazing to have a formula that actually targets the neck. In other words, the, some of the ingredients in that formula just benefits the neck um, and, and, and warms the channels going through the neck or gets things moving, the energetics through the neck. So this formula um, is, is, a, is a must for me for my cervical cases, cervical stagnation where we have pain. Uh, and so we put it on six, five treatments, electroacupuncture once weekly and, and cervical formula. And long story short, this horse responded beautifully. It went on. Uh, they were just getting ready recently to go into the Special Olympics um, oh, neat. Uh, because the rider has some uh, deficits when she was 11. So she's in the Special Olympics. The horse is doing beautiful. So this is a case where a lot of Western medicine, I'm sure that uh University of Florida could have worked this up and, and given therapy and so forth, perhaps with injections at the neck, but we were able to accomplish it using electroacupuncture and herbal and got a, a, a fantastic response. 
So and, one of the things that I wanted to just have a mention, all, and we can do this together, is the importance of this AccuScan because it really does help us and can really make us look like we know more than anyone else because I might be able to have a horse with a foot problem. And with the accurate scan, I might even be able to tell you it's the left front, left foot and it's on the inside of the left foot. And so this scan technique can be very, very valuable. I use it every horse, every day. So if you're watching uh, a practitioner of TCVM and they're trained in this technique, that's what they're doing. They're trying to go through and see if we can find associated areas over that scan that relate to joint and or organ function. And there's been three or four studies that have been done that show 82% uh, in one of the studies, an accuracy between a, a positive scan and a location in a particular area. So uh, I find it, you know, I can't really work well without it. So I'm not sure, Allison, if you are uh, are using this in everyday use or every horse use or how you approach using the scan. I um, I don't I do not use it in every horse. I always tell my shadowing students that I should be using it in every horse because I do think it's that valuable. I do my adjusting, my chiropractic and my myofascial release before I do anything else. So quite often I kind of shift gears. um, And if I don't find a lot on my adjusting, then I will use the scan after that. Now, um, I think it bears saying that when we scan, lots of different vets use lots of different tools. So some people will use a little mosquito hemostat. I don't know what you use, John. Some people use a pen cap. I tend to use an acupuncture guide tube, like a little piece of plastic. Do you use that as well? or? I just use a little six-inch uh, needle holder with no scissors on it, just a needle holder. And, and it gives me the, you know, not too much pressure. Yeah, uh, exactly. For me, it works very well. That's how I, I talk about it too, is that if I if I had to think about pushing down on something, which I would tend to do with a, a pen or a needle cap, I'd actually have to think about putting pressure down, then I feel like that's kind of subjective. We can't help but be subjective um, and that sort of thing. So if I can find an instrument that has a just a little bit more of a point to it. I can be lighter in my scan and therefore I think maybe less subjective. But um yes. I do use a scan if I'm if I'm kind of at a loss for, you know, what what the issue is. I I'm so grateful in my practice that I see a lot of maintenance. So I see a lot of horses that are going great and they just need a little tweaking and a little adjustment. And uh sometimes I'm not in the sleuthing mode, but I do think that the scan is just super uh, important, as you say, and um, and we always get better the more we do something, right? So yes, and one one of the the nice things about this scan, and I and I tell this to my clients or owners or trainers, um, when I go through a scan, let's say I have, we know that there's there's points that are associated with uh, the heart, the the hock. Okay, so we know what these points are, where they are. There's actually four different areas where we can say, okay, I've got positive there, positive there, positive there. Then I could pretty feel pretty good about telling them that they may have some problems with the hawk. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to jump in to radiograph the hawk. That doesn't mean we have to ultrasound and do that. What I want to do is try to see through the TCVM approach, whether it be through your acupuncture or hemoacupuncture, see if we can clear that out quickly. And if those points on your, after you put your needles in, uh, those clear, 
then I feel much more comfortable telling the client that we, we don't have any structural uh, or metabolic bone problems going on here. We have uh, energetic problems. So the prognosis is better. We, I feel like I, we can um, get resolution pretty quickly, maybe a few treatments and done. And so, um, you know, we have clients that are constantly every three, six, every year injecting hocks and stifles. Right. And I say, our by the goal calendar, is so not that by the horse. We won't have to do that. <laughs> right. Right. And, and just to be clear uh, about the clear thing, when you say if you can get the scan to clear, what I'm interpreting is that you're going to scan the horse and they get kind of oochy on points. So they're going to they're going to, you know, be jittery or move away from your scan in particular points. And then you're going to needle the acupuncture points associated with those sensitivities. And they're not always the same point um, in my hands anyway. I don't know about yours, but they're not always the same point. Sometimes you can, you know, drain the pain from using points in the foot. And so after you clear the the pain, hopefully you're going to go back and scan and, and hopefully that's all cleared. That's what you mean by the word cleared. Yes, and and same way when we were talking about grading lamenesses, uh, one through five is what I use. I do the same thing with my scan. If, let's say, these points are three when I'm scanning across, um, and then I do my acupuncture, whether it be in the points around the foot or uh, other clearing points or points to to, uh, get the channel to move, and I go back, and now I've got a one, that tells me that... I don't really have a major problem in the hock. I'm able to clear it out because it's it doesn't an energetic need injecting, problem, in other words. not an arthritic or um, yep. other problem. So as always, um, Chinese medicine takes a lot of schooling in order to do this well. So uh, the general layperson, if they're looking for some advice as far as herbal formula goes, it's very important that you find not only a great veterinarian, but a great veterinarian that's been trained in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine to do the proper examinations. Um, you know, we talked about the great Sauceria coptis formula being for irritable bowel syndrome. Well, golly, there's like 10 different formulas for that, and it's for that, that, that condition. So it's super important that you have the correct formula and not a formula that's going to make your horse worse. So if you, a lot of times with these formulas, if you just read what they're for, um, that isn't the diagnosis, and it's very important that you contact um, a TCVM-trained veterinarian to do your acupuncture and your scanning and your herbs and all of that sort of thing. And you can find one of those at chiu.edu, which is chiu.edu, and they have a Find a Practitioner button somewhere down the page um, that you can type in your... your um, what is it called? <laughs> your zip code, and uh, you know, within fifty miles of your place, you can find someone who has been trained at Chi um, to help you out with your animal. Yes, and you can get in touch with myself, uh, Dr. Allison Marshall, through going to chiuniversity.edu. Uh, that way, we can connect and then maybe share emails and discuss whatever your needs might be. So that's it for another month. We are uh, we have the podcast on the last Tuesday of every month. So we'll see you all next month. And remember, if your path demands that you walk through hell, walk as if you own the place. (laughs) 